Hello, everybody. Welcome to Blackhawks on Tap. I'm Giannani, joined tonight by Tony Marchese. Tony, tonight was a barn burner against the St. Louis Blues down in St. Louis. Uh, Blackhawks ended up falling 6-5. to five. Um, We're going to get into this game and a few other topics, but overall, it's been a little bit since we've been on the mic, so how you been, man, and welcome back. Yeah, I think it's been... Uh... Quite a while. I can't even remember the last one of these I did. I'm sure it was sometime last week, but it's been uh, it's it's been rough watching this Hawks mm. team uh, attempt to play hockey and attempt to make trades at the deadline. It's been kind of rough. Yeah. How, have you, how about yourself? How have you been? Yeah, no, I mean that that kind of, that stuff kind of has me down in the dumps. Um, obviously, the play on the ice is one thing, and then uh, the trades too. Uh, Sure, they, they we'll get more into the specifics of those, but uh, overall, uh, the way that it went down and the timing of those things, uh, I think, left a lot of people disappointed, bitter taste in their mouth, all of that sort of thing. So uh, we, we'll dive further into that, but uh, overall, I mean, other than that, doing all right. I'm um, just trudging through here, uh, these, you know, kind of dog days of winter, if you want to call them that. You know, usually it's the dog days of summer, but, you know, we're looking for a light at the end of the tunnel with baseball around the corner here um, and the Blackhawks obviously being sellers uh we know where that indicates where they're going their play actually over the last you know three four weeks indicated where they're going and it's to a dark place so yeah two seven and one in their last ten uh that's yeah. that speaks volumes right there yeah yeah i mean it's it's been rough uh, we've kind of known it since this uh canadian road trip uh you know it really slipped away from them uh i think they could have you know if they would have split evenly. I guess they did five on that one, so they couldn't have split evenly. But, you know, if it would have been more split on that one, maybe you'd still have a uh, glimmer of hope. But, I mean, only taking two out of ten, that kind of wrote uh, the story for the rest of the season here. And that ended up being that the Blackhawks were sellers, the deadline trading Eric Gustafson and Robin Leonard. And then, um, obviously, tonight, uh, the first game back after that, uh, after the trade deadline, and pretty much every NHL team in action tonight, uh, Blackhawks fall to the division rival Blues uh, in a game that was not short on excitement, though, Tone. No, it wasn't. Uh, definitely, if you're a fan of uh, a lot of goals in a hockey game, and I think a lot of people are, uh, tonight was your night. Um, unfortunately, like you have mentioned now just a few times, uh, the Hawks did not come out on top of this one. Uh, you want to just give a little quick recap on some of the scoring action here? Uh, the one goal um, that uh, I think we really need to touch on. Yeah, for sure. Um, just if you're looking at you know this game uh, up and down here, Blackhawks you know pretty much got dominated in the first period, but somehow find a way to come out uh, on top two to one after 20 minutes of play here. Uh, and that was thanks to Duncan Keith scoring his 100th goal. Uh, Tony, you know, there's a lot of negativity here. It seems in the Blackhawks Twitter circle and whatever, but there is a time where we need to take a step back and appreciate uh, a milestone such as this for Duncan Keith. Yeah. Uh, just awesome seeing him get it done and uh, do it on the power plane. Nonetheless, um, you know, it feels kind of, uh, a little too late to, you know, start giving pats on the back for power play goals. But uh, a milestone goal like this for Duncan, I, I feel like we can make an exception for. Um, dude's just a warrior. He's been on this on this team, part of this franchise for uh, like a decade or more here now. Um, and, you know, he's just been such an invaluable piece to what this organization has done back when they were actually good um, and sticking around right now through some of the harder times. But um, definitely uh, congratulations to Duncan. And I think that uh, 
it would have been nice to come out on top. I think there would have been a little bit of a better celebration for him, but um, just glad to see him get it done, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely was. And, you know, you talk about uh, a guy that was traded in Eric Gustafson. Um, power play, he was, you know, supposedly the, you know, power play quarterback, I guess, so to say, leading up until this. And then he leaves and uh, they end up scoring three power play goals tonight. So call it coincidence, call it just simplifying things a little bit more, whatever you want. Uh, Duncan Keith ends up taking that point role, uh, that, that man at the top. And uh, it, it was just a straight, you know, uh, wound up clapped it through and there was a good uh little you know there is some screening going on there uh guys kind of picking uh d- you know defenders out of the way for it so that shot could go through so uh just nice to see it and you know it feels like it's, he's been sitting on it for uh forever uh tone that's the second goal of the season uh the, these things are rare for him so uh when it does happen definitely needs to be celebrated um so that that was good and that was good that was part of uh you know because at first the this game looked like it was just going to start off like a uh, absolute you know horror show because uh 10 seconds in Connor Murphy trips uh, uh a forward blues forward entering the zone and then uh they blues make their power play look super easy this is you know just 33 seconds into the game um only 20 seconds after you know starting that power play they're able to um capitalize on it you're like, oh my god this thing's already going to get out of hand we're not even a minute in but luckily you know Keith uh responded with the power play tally of his own and then um another one you know uh, Connor Murphy shot from the point. We talked about both those first period goals being shots from the point. Um, I know it may not matter much, whatever, but uh, it is nice to see, you know, Johnny Taves gets the assist on those. Those were because he won faceoffs on those, and then he goes to the front of the net. So not only getting the assist on the score sheet, also uh, when you're looking at the play develop uh, itself, Tony, because he is taking a guy away as he's heading to the front of the net or creating yeah. a bigger screen by having that guy along with him going to the front of the net. Johnny, what have we talked about all year? Well, good things happen when you get in front of the net. I wish this team would do it more often. Um, but, you know, they, they did that in the first year, and, and uh, it provided some offense. There's not much else to say on that. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much the extent of the offense there because you look at that other than that, um, the, the first period was actually the most disparity. And uh, when you're talking uh, – the the Corsi four uh, kind of visual map the game flow that natural statric provides for us Tony here um, it, it, that was all all blues uh, and there was no doubt about it. they were the better team but you know you end up coming out on top of that um, leading and then Patrick Kane extends this thing to two uh, to a two goal lead. Um, Early on in the second period, just one thirteen, and another power play strike here. Uh, but this is just vintage Kaner shoots it off the bar. Uh, Rick Chase the other side of the net. Uh, just super pretty assist from Keith and Kubalik on this one. Yeah, I mean Patrick Kane's. I think you said it right, uh, right there, best. Uh, vintage Patrick Kane. Um, I, I wouldn't even call it vintage. Maybe I'd just say that this is Patrick Kane mm-hmm. forever and always. Um, two power play goals. In their first three, you know, I I said it just a little bit ago. It's a little too late, and I think he brought up something that I didn't really think about in Eric Gustafson. Maybe simple the removal of Eric Gustafson, simplifying that top power play unit, just able to go get things done. And I'm sure, I'm sure that the the team was coming out here, and maybe it didn't look like it. You mentioned the Corsi, but they were playing with a little bit of let's try and make some things happen. I think they were they were visibly mm-hmm. pissed off at the fact that they lost. Uh, I'd say their starting goalie and uh, a core member of their defense. And, you know, they, they wanted to go get some stuff done here and, and maybe prove maybe you shouldn't have made that move. That's kind of seemed like the mentality here, but uh, 
you know, it was right back to the blues as we end the second period and, and yeah. head into the third. Yeah, I, I will. Uh, I'm with you there, too. There was a little bit of more drive in the legs there, you know, after they got going, like I said, outside of that first uh, minute of the first, a little more drive there. I, uh, you know, felt like a little bit more of a give a shit. Um, yeah, if that's how we're going to describe it. But yeah, uh, as you had mentioned, Blues come within one then with the Robert Thomas goal, uh, 738 mark of the second. Um, and then things got wild. Um, so what was that then after, uh, you know, the Blackhawks still leading uh, three to two yeah. after two periods of play? And then the third period is absolute chaos here. I- I'm going to read them off and then we can talk about the momentum swings back and forth. Uh, O'Reilly at 347. Uh, Sanford for St. Louis to take the lead at 403. Highmore uh, to tie this thing back up at 516 mark. Uh, Brandon Saad on the power play, Blackhawks' third uh, power play uh, goal of the night. First time they scored three power play goals in a game all season. That was at the 816 mark from Saad. Uh, and then Falk from the point, 928, uh, to tie this thing back up at five. And then Sanford, eventually the game winner, 1335. Uh, that kid has been absolutely on fire for St. Louis lately, but that ended up being it. Six to five was the final there. Um, you know, you, you got the streaks here. Two St. Louis goals, two Chicago goals, two St. Louis goals. Um, obviously, you'd rather be on the opposite end uh, where St. Louis was in this one, Tone. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought after they went down 4-3 uh, uh, that things were going to be kind of bleak ending this one. Uh, and then uh, you mentioned Highmore uh, gets them back. Uh, what was that tied up at that point in time? Yes. Um, so right there, you feel like you got a little bit, you want to talk about momentum swings, Brandon Saad coming through on the power play again. I mean, I don't know how many times this year we've talked about three power play goals for the Hawks in one night. It's got to be time. few and far between. No, they have, this is they the only time. One. This, this is the only time. Old, this is the only time. How do you not win this game? Like if you're talking about the Hawks scoring three oh, power just... play goals, yeah, you, you want to talk Ugh. about atrocious defense in there, man. Um, just... I know if you're talking, if you're legitimately asking me, that's a question. You want reasons here? Um, one of me for for me, at least on a couple of these goals is Nick Sealer. Um, it, it's becoming more and more apparent why uh, this guy never broke into the Minnesota uh, defensive group there. Um, sure, it, it's cool when he lays the body every once in a while. It's cool when he gets down and blocks a shot. But the problem with that is, Tony, you got to be in the right position to be able to block a shot, and he is very rarely in the right position. He is chasing guys up the half wall to, you know, Timbuktu when he should be covering the front of the net. David Camp is trying to circle back and cover for him, and it's just all broken then from there. The whole structure is broken. Um, Nick Sealer should be scratched and let Lucas Carlson back in because he actually looked okay against Dallas in his debut on Sunday. Um, I'm sorry. I know Sealers only had a few games here himself anyway, but um, what they said, they saw that they thought looked good um, outside of that first game against Winnipeg when he had an assist in a fight. <laughs> I couldn't tell you much that's looked good out of Nick Sealer. You know, it was cool when Dennis Gilbert was beating the shit out of people too. Um, but dude, I, I just... I'm so sick of seeing these project defensemen trot in and out of this blue line. Carlson's another name. You know what I mean? Like, I just, there's no consistency. I don't really see much with them. I think we were talking um, earlier today. Why not just bring up Bodine and let him fool around up here for a little while at this point in time? I I think that's going to be the the goal here with Carlson. 
Um, and they did make the paper transactions here. This is another thing that we'll get into. Obviously, we're going to have the trades here. But on trade deadline day, the Blackhawks needed to make paper transactions. Uh, so just since some of those names are brought up, um, both Highmore and uh, Carlson, I believe, were you know assigned to Rockford and then immediately brought back up because that's you know whatever the technicalities that they need so to. did did you get clarification on the carlson because i did see something come through um on twitter about half hour after the deadline that said that they did not see carlson uh that transaction be made um by bowman uh, i think that was I, fucking hostile yeah um, but i think uh charlie had found it later and like i think the site itself had just taken longer to update um, okay they had had okay. done that I, so I, we'll, I wanted we'll, to make i yeah, want to make sure was, there was a lot going on on, oh, on, yeah, I mean, on it, was, it was insane it was information overload i mean you got shit you even got the best ones like bob mckenzie and all those and granted they're not tracking our like you know those minor moves but even like the specifics on the money for leonard and stuff you know it, it was all over the place so we'll get more into the actual trade deadline stuff but if we're talking you know just that name there um guy that they want up here just getting some reps in uh lucas carlson um who is a healthy scratch tonight with nick sealer in um and i talked about bodine because i you know think there's probably a little bit higher ceiling there uh carlson is probably ceiling of a five six uh guy if he reaches his top potential here in the nhl so but either way i think they're just getting him some reps up here and then obviously they want to uh have those guys available if the Rockford Ice Hogs do go on a playoff run uh, because they are sitting around um, around a two to four point. They're, they've kind of been hovering around there um, out of the picture in the AHL. So uh, just a note to bring up there. But um, that we're going to get into these moves here in a second. Uh, last thoughts on this game. Um, Jeremy Colladin, uh calling the timeout after Sanford uh, scored to give the Blues a four to three lead early on in that third period. Uh, we like to shit on Colleton a lot, but um, props there. You need knew this team needed to slow things down, um, and, and sometimes the timeout doesn't always work. Sometimes the other team that was just you know uh, had all the momentum will just continue it and they'll just keep buzzing over you. Uh, but that was not the case. They looked uh, in. You know, this is actually a legitimate observation by Pierre. So they look like they settled in much more into the third period after that timeout. So credit to Colladin on that front there. Uh, just a small thing. Um, then obviously Highmore. Um, I don't think the kid has uh, the great, you know, it's kind of like we just talked about with Lucas Carlson. I don't think the upside is o- over the moon with this guy. He's probably a fourth third line at best guy if he reaches his max NHL potential here, but credit to him for, uh, you know, working his ass off in front of the net to get that goal. You could see how excited he was and that celebration kind of did one of the yep. Caner, uh, Sellies, So that was cool. Um, and then the, we had talked about, you know, it's we loved seeing passes come from, uh, the office below the net out to the slot. Uh, that's how Brandon Sod's power play goal was scored. So, uh, credit to Kirby doc for setting up Strom behind the net and then Strom setting up, uh, doc from, you know, the behind the net, uh, out to the slot. And then, um, you know, just more collapses defensively for on those last two St. Louis goals. But I guess we're gonna have to pick anything, uh, that was a highlight of this third period. Um, both of those high more and, uh, Sod's goals could be those. Yeah, uh, final thoughts from me on this one. Uh, I really liked uh, Jeremy Calton's press conference after the game. Um, Calton's a guy that I love to shit on just <laughs> as much <laughs> as anybody else. Uh, but uh, this comes from Ben Pope uh, in the post-game interview. Uh, we turn pucks over. It's a 3-2 game. We turn the puck over. We turn the puck over on the second goal when we're up 3-1 and in control of the game. Turn the puck over on the fourth goal. I don't know how you expect to win when you make those types of mental mistakes. Obviously... Calton was not happy with what he saw on the ice today. 
Um, normally, I think the tone from him in most of these post-game pressers, and uh, maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but he, he kind of shelters his guys a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't really throw the blame out there as much. And this one, I mean, he let it loose. He let it fly. He, he called out mistakes that were made. Um, it's, it's those guys who turn those pucks over know exactly who they are. And I'm sure he let them know in the locker room. I really like that. Um, out of Carlton in the, in the, in the post game, that's, uh, that's been the case all year. Um, and you know, just, just to finally, I think at this point in time, if, if you're the Hawks, you've already declared yourself sellers, the selling has been done. Um, we'll, we'll get into more of that, but, uh, you know, what else do you really have to play for here? Um, it's time to just play hockey and stop making these mental mistakes because, you're you're so far out now in the standings. It, there should be no pressure on these guys. There really shouldn't no. be. You know, and, and if you play in a loose game, you should be able to, you know, not overthink things like this. But we've seen these same types of turnovers in high pressure situations all damn year, and yeah. they're doing it again tonight. I, they should just be out there fucking having fun. And, yeah, it should be and, rad and hockey. Yeah, it should just, be rad hockey for these guys. It should be Patrick Kane trying to do impossible shit that he normally wouldn't do in the in a in a playoff chase. Um, you know, just get loose, play the game. You know, and, and you're still making these mental mistakes that you make when there's a lot of pressure on you, and uh, it's that's got to stop. If they if they're gonna have some fun and, and play watchable hockey for the rest of the year, that's the type of, of style that they need to play. Just go out and have fun. Because yeah. there's nothing else to play for. Yeah. So um, I just want now that you're talking about this and the you know what the mentality should be going in the rest of this year. Um, and it looked like it early on because even though they weren't playing, um, you know, St. Louis technically I would say dominated the uh, better of the play early on in this one. But hey, the Blackhawks still somehow had a lead. So. Um, I just wanted to get this out here because I had put it up on the Twitter, but in case anyone hadn't seen it there, um, I had talked about, okay. So I says the games don't matter anymore. This being a meme format. And I said, the bounces, puck lock, power play goals, leniency from officials. Allow me to introduce myself. They all come, you know, it, it all seemed to come flowing down, at least for the middle stretch. Um, it's obviously in that first period and then towards the, uh, the, early part of that second period as well um it seems like you know when you're not gripping the stick as tight um some shit just seemed to go the way and maybe that's just the way that the flow of the game was tonight but um even for me as a fan consuming this tony because we're a podcast we talk to our listeners being fans uh, other people that do this they like to enjoy sit down and watch it um I kind of let go a little bit. You know, I've been super on edge, uh, super, super tight uh, up, you know, wound up uh, over this team for the past three months now. Um, Tonight, I I decided to just let go. Just just let it be a loose kind of cannon sort of uh, mentality. Whatever happens, happens. You kind of laugh at some of the dumb shit that happens Mm -hmm. um, instead of getting overly upset about it. Um, I I don't know how you approach this one, but it, it was kind of comical in I, a way to me i tell you how i approach this one and, and as a fan like and this is in any sport you know you get to a point where if your team isn't in the chase isn't in the hunt after a certain period i, I don't want to say it's second screen viewing but it, it kind of becomes second screen viewing for you it's even if it's the only thing you're watching 
you could scroll your phone. You could, you know, get on Twitter and kind of interact with people. You could throw on a movie and have the game on next to you. It's no longer the intense, you know, on the edge of your seat type game anymore. You know what I mean? It's just not the same. But it's also an enjoyable experience, and I think you said it best there. You you just kind of laugh at some stuff. That's how I've consumed White Sox baseball for the past 10 years. You know, it's 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 become how I've consumed Blackhawks hockey for the second half of the season for the last three. But at that point in time, too, I, I joke about bringing up like a guy like Bodine or something. It, right now is the time where you kind of turn your, your eye to watching players like Kirby Doc develop or, mm-hmm. you know, some of the the other guys like uh, Kubalik or um you know it'd be nice if we had still you know uh, uh robin leonard somebody like in a contract situation how are they performing what kind of contract are they going to earn it, it the the importance kind of shifts from are they going to win this game to the other things that are important here and mm-hmm. it's also enjoyable to watch these games and we said this last year at the end of the season and and this is especially true in the case of the hawks Watch these games to appreciate Patrick Kane. Watch these games yeah. to appreciate Jonathan Taves or Duncan Keith because those guys are special, and regardless of whether or not the game really matters, they're still going to do special things. And tonight, for example, was Duncan Keith's 100th goal. So you can appreciate some of that stuff, some of the milestones, just other things that when I guess the games are kind of more important – or your team's in a chase, you miss little things like that because you're more focused on that that end picture. But there's still plenty of reasons to watch Blackhawks hockey, and 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 it's it's just in a different light. So yeah. I mean, that's that, that's kind of how I consume it. Yep, that, that's you're 100 percent right there, and I definitely I think there's a couple layers to it here, Tony. Um, and I don't want to go because you you left it on a very good note there, and I hate to go back to a dark place here. Um. But it, it kind of, you know, watching this stuff, yes, it's great. And, you know, you appreciate it. You just watch them and appreciate how much these guys have given to the organization in years past and how they're still getting after it. Um, and guys like Duncan Keith. And then there's obviously, you know, Patrick Kane shot tonight. Just Patrick Kane being Patrick Kane, how he always is. Um, there's that. But um, there's also something to think about here in, in that. Sure, it's great to see all of that. But in a way, when you see that, it's also kind of depressing because yes, for it's for not it's wasted. Mm-hmm. What is that Patrick Kane goal doing? Um, sure, entertainment value for you right in front of your eyes. But remember, you know, you had that same entertainment value, and then it was also towards a point value in the standings uh, in years past. You know, yeah, um, yeah. No, it's it's hard, um, and I think if you're the casual fan, um, it's really easy to tune out. And I'm sure that. Uh, there's a lot of people who've been along with us for the ride this year and, and last year who, at this point in the season, Johnny, will probably not turn on another uh, Four Feathers pod or Blackhawks on tap episode as frequently as they do because they're not watching these games as frequently as they do. And that's completely understandable. I think the the essence of of watching sports in general, just for, I think, basically 99% of people is you want to see your team win. You want to see your team in the playoff chase. You want to see your team win every playoff game. You want to see your team win the championship. And when you get to a point where the product becomes unwatchable because the team can't win, it's very easy to become disinterested. And that's any sport, any team, 
any league from, you know, God, youth sports up through professional sports. Uh, it's, it's really easy to just mail it in and, and not care about the product um, when your team just is having trouble. Look at look across, uh, uh, not even across town, look at the same uh, uh, tenant that shares the United Center, the Chicago Bulls. Um, same thing's going on over there. I mean, the product's been absolutely laughable uh, for basically the entire season, and you're starting to see the attendance go down. Um, I would expect that Hawks games, the attendance is going to start to drop here towards the end of the year. You're going to be able to scoop up some tickets for 20 bucks to go watch Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, three-time Stanley Cup champions, go play hockey. So uh, it, it's really easy to do that. Um, one last point that I want to bring up, and I was talking to uh, Ron uh, Luce, uh, our co-host on the, on the train ride last night. We stumbled upon the, uh, the topic of Marion Hosa. And I just want to apply this to uh, the the Kane or Taze thing. Mm-hmm. You never know when the last game for any of these guys is going to be. Um, it, had I known that the last time that Marion Hosa was going to take the ice for the Blackhawks was his actual last game in a Blackhawks uniform, I probably would have watched him a lot closer than I did. I probably would have paid more attention to every shift that he was on the ice. And yep. granted... You know, there's a lot going on in a given hockey game, but I probably would have just paid that extra little bit of attention and probably had a different feeling about that specific game and how he played. You don't know if, for some godforsaken reason, any of these guys are going to sustain an injury or be traded or hang them up. So, you know, you watch these games. Right now, the guy I think that I've got my eye on is Corey Crawford. Um, you know, you want to bring back some memories and, and go relive some cup years. And, and uh, you don't know if Corey Crawford will be on this team next year. Hell, you don't know if any of them are. But if there's a, a reason to watch some of this stuff towards the end here is kind of relishing some of their their past successes for this team. And... I don't know. Just don't take it for granted is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, that is a very good uh, point to circle back on there. Um, I think we've covered both sides of it and how fans can be feeling about this because it's tough, man. It's tough, especially you go through a stretch where the Blackhawks were so competitive, so successful um, for such a long time, years consecutive. Um, and it's going to be another year without it. I mean, now let's just step back and say, yes, mathematically, they're not eliminated yet there are still you know what do they got 19 games left i think on the schedule then after tonight mm-hmm. um so you know it, it's by a miracle i guess sure but uh, everybody knows they were sellers at the deadline that's going to be our next topic that we get into here um th- that is why we you know are kind of talking to them about this you're i'm looking at the standings here uh right now in the western conference tony how fun would this be if uh, i'm looking at number one in the wild card standings is calgary at 72 points number two is nashville at 70 three winnipeg was 70 four arizona was 70 and then five minnesota was 67 um, and we're below that at 62. Um, all of those teams there, imagine if we were a fourth team with 70 there. How fun would that shit be right now? Well, I mean, I guess it'd be frustrating if they lost a game like tonight, but I also think there'd be a little extra motivation factor there. So um, just kind of... You know, it's it's hard to look at this and say, 
yeah, it's just hard to look at it and say that they'd still be even in a position to go and do that. And, and I think we need to cover some of the, the trade deadline stuff and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, one thing that we were talking about before we got on air was uh, just because it's the Blackhawks, because they are a, a roller coaster, this team will probably go on a five-game win streak at yep. some point in time here. <laughs> We were mapping it out for and it. And we yeah. were mapping it out. And I think you should just map this out. Because let's just get crazy right here. Let's <laughs> yeah. just let's just get crazy. Let's have a beer and get fucking crazy for a second. <laughs> yeah, you know this team, you know this team is going to do something like go on a crazy four to five game win streak and put themselves back somewhere up over the wild for like a nice little week and a half stretch. How does this this happen? All right. So we were looking at this, um, and there's probably a couple points at which this could happen. But in order to keep themselves from sliding uh, even further, I mean, I don't know. They've already slid so far already. But if you're talking this right now where they sit um, and looking at this upcoming schedule here, uh, tonight was obviously a loss at St. Louis. Um, They played Tampa Bay, who is just unbelievable. Uh, they're visiting, and that's at Tampa Bay. It's not a game at the United Center, so that's on Thursday night. So pencil that one in as, an, as a loss because we need to get this thing even lower before we can come back up, Tone. So Florida still, yes, they're they're the, they're a solid team, uh, better than the Blackhawks are, but they're um, a beatable team as well. Um, they're not all that much better than the Hawks are, but you know by the points, they're they're at seventy here. Um, Whereas the Blackhawks sit at 62, that could be a game that jump starts. And I talked about it for some ever godforsaken reason, a road game on a Saturday, um, you know, during the middle of that shitty Canadian road trip, Tony, you and I got together for the Saturday night game against Calgary, ended up being the only game they won. They scored like fucking eight goals, um, ended up being eight to four that night. So that's probably going to happen Saturday night at Florida. Um, they'll get that win. And then they come home and they got Anaheim they can definitely knock them off um, a game with the, you know, think about it. The crazy things that happened on that Western Canadian road trip, they should have beat Edmonton without Connor McDavid, but instead Leon dry went off. Well, guess what? Both of them are going to be back, but it's in our building now. So some ridiculous shit will happen. We'll end up winning that one. There you go. There's three in a row. Then Detroit, uh, we travel to them next Friday. They're the worst team in hockey by far already eliminated from the playoffs earliest. It's happened since like, I don't even know the date, but it's been a long time since the team was eliminated that early. There you go. There's four uh, back home that Sunday night against St. Louis. Like I said, tonight was absolutely roller coaster and they probably shouldn't have even been in that one for how terrible it was. Uh, you clean up just a little bit uh, of that, you know, make it, two less turnovers and boom, you've got yourself a win there. There's five. And then it would only be fitting because Tony, the games after that, that Wednesday, March 11th, they are home against San Jose. And then they host Ottawa on that Friday, the 13th. Um, That's when it starts going back down. They somehow lose to both of those, even though Ottawa sold literally everyone. Um, So there's your last, we talk about the Blackhawks always being a roller coaster. There's your last rise of the season. Um, And people, this is all just for shits and giggles. Uh, We're just playing this out because this would be, you know, we have that. So white Sox over on the South side. Well, it's, we're bringing it over to the West side horror show. That's so Blackhawks. Yeah. I mean, you, you've almost convinced me now that this is going to happen. (laughs) <laughs> because I I need one last heartbreak before you put the nail in the coffin, right? Like I, we should probably be doing the the 2019 2020 Blackhawks eulogy 
But let's save the eulogy until after they they do one last like little hurrah. And it might not be a five game win streak, Johnny, but stretch that out over those last two games and say they don't lose them. What if it's seven and one and one? Yeah, or something like that. Realistic, yeah. nine. You know, like something. You know, maybe maybe they lose that game to St. Louis, and then they come and rattle off those next two before they go shit the bed somewhere else. I I still can see this team doing like well enough to screw themselves out of a better pick than they should have. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you and that's that's going to be the the most painful part about it is because any 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 hockey game and we we've, we've talked about this all year, any hockey game that has Patrick Kane in it can be taken over. You know, the Hawks still have the same forward core and and depth, if there is any, that they had all year. Nothing yeah. there has changed. Yeah. Corey Crawford has still been a solid goaltender for the most part of the year. He's yes. better now than he was at the beginning of the year. Yeah. You you lost Robin Leonard, but, you know, it, it's yeah. just it's hard to imagine them taking such a further step back and yeah things look really really bleak right now but they still have the ability i think in my mind maybe i'm completely wrong and crazy they still have the ability in my mind to go rattle off five games in a row and be like we're right here just <laughs> enough just enough we believe in this roster yeah, well stan, we believe in jeremy stan and john mcdonough really believe in this team i'm sure they believe in them just enough to go do something like put themselves six points away from a wild card. Yeah. And then wind up eight or nine, you know, like that's, that's so Blackhawks. And, and, you know, I I think we got a little crazy there, but I I don't know if it's that crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, all of this and you talked about a pick and that's a good one. Um, We're going to start getting to the point probably um, when I start getting real mad after some of these, uh, to where I announced that the show is sponsored by tankathon.com slash NHL. Uh, I'd end up doing yep. that over on the south side for Socks on Tap. Remember how uh, angry I got at some of those losses down the stretch last year? Um, right now, I just opened up tankathon.com slash NHL. Um, and we are currently in a uh, position for a seventh pick. So um, there you go. I guess the west side special uh, with the Bulls. They, they've been the seventh pick for like 18 years in a row now. So. Um, only thing that we'll have it too, I guess. Um, but yeah, well, there's uh, some lottery, there's some here. lottery in there involved in both of those, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I'm not too sure on NBA. How hey, I, I just simulated the lottery and we got the top pick. Let's go. Did we? Oh. <laughs> I really did. You just hit sim lottery up at the top and I, I, I just got it. So, um, but we'll leave it at that. that. Leave it at that. We're, we're in a comfortable position. Top pick in the draft. Yeah, it'll be us, Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, L.A., and Ottawa again. So there we go. Can you imagine, um, you imagine the, the, the Twitter sphere when the Blackhawks obtain the number one overall pick <laughs> in next year's draft? I mean, I thought it was bad when we got three. <ooh, <laughs> you know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> getting one, yeah. Oh, shit. Finishing right, seventh 
in the first pick. There it is. Yeah. All right. Uh, with sites, you know, I guess now we set that site set on next year. Uh, Blackhawks sites are set on the future. They set it themselves. Um, and obviously their actions set it uh, when they were sellers at the deadline. And even that they managed to screw up a little bit, uh, at least in my opinion here. But anyway, uh, the official moves, Eric Gustafson is uh, now a member of the Calgary Flames. The Blackhawks received a third round pick in exchange for him. And that will be the higher of Calgary's uh, third round picks in 2020. Um then uh, the other trade that was made was uh, Robin Lehner uh, was sent to the, ultimately to the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, the return on that that comes back from Vegas is uh, it was a second round pick uh, goaltender Malcolm Subban and then a uh, defenseman teammate of Ian Mitchell's at Denver. Um, let me pull up the name here um, real quick since I was not on top of that to start with. But um, Demon, I want to say, is the last name on that. Um, Does this guy matter? So he was a fourth-round selection of the Knights, and um, it just seems like, from what I've heard, what I've just seen in replies, and this isn't major research or whatever, um, it seems like he's still three, four years off from making a contribution at the highest level. And he's also, um, you know, probably a ceiling. You're looking at bottom pair to maybe like your fifth guy uh, type of thing, you know, maybe a fourth eventually, but that would take, you know, the ceiling of his development to reach. So um, the second, I guess, for Leonard, yeah. that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Here. That's that's what you're looking at for the highest value. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just say it. Malcolm Subban sucks. Um, he is not a part of this goalie equation. Um, he's probably going to get some starts here, and he's probably going to get absolutely lit up, Tony. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised they just throw him into the fire at Tampa Bay um, on Thursday night. Because Crawford's played, what, the last three now? Um, wouldn't be shocked. Uh, Subban was with the Knights. He's now with uh, the Blackhawks at the NHL level, the, not, not reporting to Rockford or anything like that. Um, it's it's not going to be pretty when he's in that, man. Uh, the overall numbers aren't good. Um, Vegas was hesitant to allow him uh, to start, especially since with where they're at um, earlier in the season being kind of in the uh, – middle of that Pacific division. And now obviously they've risen to the top of it, but even now uh, still only two points above Vancouver for the second spot. They were hesitant to have him in there. Uh, they got a legitimate, you know, two number ones down there now in Robin Leonard and um, uh, Mark Andre Fleury. So uh, thoughts initially on the trade, I guess on your end. So uh, there's a lot to unpack here. There's, uh, there's just, so much to unpack with this Leonard deal. And I want to quickly just throw in here what transpired on Twitter today. Um, if you follow John Dietz, uh, he had put something out there today. Um, make sure to read the entire piece because the Q&A part is just Robin Leonard and I talking two days before he told us he wouldn't take a discount to stay with the Blackhawks. Again, it obviously is possible he could have changed his mind six weeks later. And that's to the rumors that I believe Mark Lazarus had thrown out there saying his sources said that Leonard would have taken less money to stay in Chicago on a three-year deal. 
Uh, Robin Leonard actually responded to this with total lie. I wanted to be paid fair after you asked me if I would take less because of my history. Easy for you guys to create your own narrative. It's done and over with. Was willing to do short term. Money was never discussed. Life goes on. Enjoyed my time in Chicago. There was another little back and forth between him. And then he said, well, you didn't see what was wrong. Well, when you asked me after being a uh, Vienza finalist, if I would take a discount for Chicago for taking a chance on me as well, it's all good. It's all all good. It's the society we live in. Ben Pope said my statistics should forgive my mental health issues. It's all good. This got messy, Johnny. <laughs> it's not a good look. It's it's really not a good look because Robin Leonard, in his time here, he was a fan favorite. Am I wrong? No, fan favorite. Totally right, yeah. Fan favorite. There's, there's a lot to unpack just in this, right? Number one, obviously, wasn't too fond of the media treatment here. <laughs> just yeah. From 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 this brief Twitter exchange, I mean, he name drops two writers. We've got a third one involved. Not only that. There was a narrative that was created that he didn't want to take a discount. We we discussed this on this show when all this was coming out because it even prompted Corey Crawford to respond. Yeah. So that's one thing. The other thing is that Leonard has now publicly come out and said he would do short term to stay with the Hawks. But numbers weren't discussed. What was Stan Bowman doing yeah, during that, all of this? Like, that's that's the first fucking question I have, is you've got a goalie right here who, when we did roundtable here on, on a four-feather show. The stats back it up. He's the guy that you go to. Yeah. he Like, obvious choice right here. And Stan Bowman didn't give him a number? What are you doing? It's yeah. right here in front of you. It's it's literally right there in front of you. You can't tell me for one second that you probably couldn't have gone and gotten a second or even a third for Corey Crawford at the deadline. That's bullshit. Yeah. So that one to me is just absolutely mind boggling. And then for Stan Bowman to come out in his press conference, or I don't know if it was in his pr- actual press conference or on 670 to score this morning and say that the moves that were made at the deadline set you up for the future, and then it's his job to go get assets back for expiring contracts. Corey Crawford's an expiring contract. That's fucking thank you. Corey Crawford's an expiring contract, but you obviously made your choice that you're going to go and do the same thing that you've done over and over again as the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks, and that's reward past and prior success. It's mind-boggling. You literally just went out there and did the same thing that has not worked for you for years on end. It doesn't make sense. Like, do you not look at the statistics? The age. The age is one thing that you have to look at. The injury history. Everything's there for you on the table as the, as the general manager. Where, where, is the, where is the front office staff and the analytical people to sit there and say, Hey, Stan, look, you've got a really good young goaltender a Vienza finalist from last year, or Vienza winner, right here on your team where you have exclusive negotiating rights with this guy that you can lock up. And then you've got 
a slightly older goaltender who still puts up solid numbers. He's been around your team for so long. He's one concussion away from being brain dead at this point in time. And, and I love Corey Crawford. I love what he's done for this team. But I was talking about him hanging it up last year just yeah. for his own mental. It just I think for everyone his own was, health. yeah. Just for his own health. Like, here it is right on the table for you. And you didn't go give this guy a number. And then it comes out. That Stan Bowman didn't even fucking notify Robin Leonard that he was traded because he didn't like that. that it's so well, broken. Yeah. Right there. yeah. The, like, I, I don't understand how the like there is even a relationship. Like, how, how could anyone even be um, the, just OK? So the that last comment, I, I just want to expand on that a little bit for people that might not be aware of the situation. Um because Leonard tweeted something to the effect of, I'm par- paraphrasing here, but he's like, oh, it was a, you know, oh, it was a fun day when, uh, you know, you people here on Twitter let me know where uh, I'm going before, you know, whatever, yada, yada. So someone, like, responded to him, re- replied to him and said, are you, are you implying here or, or saying here that what you mean is that you found out about the trade on Twitter before the Blackhawks notified you? And he didn't respond to it or anything. You know, he doesn't usually respond to random people, but he just said yes. Like he, he liked the tweet. So that means yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's so I just wanted to provide the background there, but that's asinine. Like I said, how, how is there, you know, uh, and then, well, relationship sabotage? This, this gets this gets even better when Stan Bowman is talking to the media and somebody says, will there be a reunion with him? Next season, and I believe he. I'm also paraphrasing. He's not our here. player anymore. Yeah, he's not our player anymore. But you know, it's complicated or something like that. It's 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 not fucking complicated. You treated the guy like a fucking dick. Like I don't understand how you do that because this is another like and and we talked about this uh, in in the socks realm. When you've got like a guy like uh, Nova last year, pitcher for the White Sox, and everybody's telling him, "Don't go to this organization because they they don't treat people right." And this is this is the Blackhawks organization that's been like the gold standard franchise, pseudo gold standard franchise through the last decade, and now there's stuff coming out that like they're they're not communicating with people and they're not treating players the yeah. right way. That's a problem. That's a huge red flag. That's a fireable offense. If you're Rocky Wirtz, Ron Luce wrote a great article, an open letter to to, uh, to Rocky Wirtz uh, on ontapsportsnet.com. Go check that out. But th- these are prime examples, prime examples of, like, bad business. Just this guy that you had on your team had done everything right in the community, the way he prepared for the game. The way he performed on the ice, the way he interacted with people on Twitter, everything he stood for, everything he's done, not only for himself, but for the organization. And he still keeps a cool head saying he enjoyed his time here. And I'm sure he did. But that's not how you end a relationship. That's a burnt bridge right there. I'm sure Robin Leonard is going to go to other people or other people are going to hear of this story. And when I say people, I'm talking about players in the NHL and say, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to go to that organization. It puts you in a negative light. It just it just shines a negative light on the organization. And as the general manager of a professional sports team, that's just so detrimental to yourself, 
and the organization because it already it just strips away layers of credibility and authenticity and just being a decent human being and i don't like it one bit no uh, not great bob how all of this went down um from the the return itself um to the obviously interactions there um and it's not just uh not just uh leonard and stanbo here there's friggin like you said multiple layers to it um and it's 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 one of these things that's almost laughable but it can't be laughable because it's going to turn into more laughable seasons down the road uh if that sort of thing continues so um i mean i think the the patience is i mean it, it was already worn thin uh but it's non-existent anymore um i think that it, it, there's a time where um it was you and i discussing on the phone earlier you just said you know things run their course um you know coaches obviously we've seen a lot of overturn there um maybe time for some overturn uh in the front office here um and that's really what ron loose's letter that you had uh, mentioned earlier really drives home uh and drives that but uh things get stale uh styles uh, of management styles of deal making styles of whatever get stale approaches that these guys have to the game uh, and stan bowman sure in 2014 this might be you know uh different obviously there was more in like a uh you know buy mode uh, around deadline so it's not exactly comparable but what worked then what i'm saying what i'm getting to the bottom of here is what worked then isn't necessarily going to work now Exactly. And I, I think that, you know, that's that's a, that's a fair point is that, I mean, I, I hate to go back to the narrative of, you know, handstand Bowman the keys to, you know, the Lex daddy's Lexus that Ron goes to. But Stan had a good head start. We'll, we'll leave it at that. And I think he excelled. And we, we talked about this on the phone. And I've I've said my words about Stan Bowman on this show. Um, but I want to say this, you know, he was really good at navigating some really difficult decisions when it came to keeping this team competitive, but that also did involve sacrificing some of the future and everything runs its course. Like you said, we're at a point now where Stan Bowman's kind of in uncharted waters, so to speak. He doesn't have a competitive team. He was good at keeping a team competitive, but like I said, that that has its costs. Now, all of a sudden, we're left at a point where we're entrusting Stan Bowman to go and rebuild that that roster, that depth, all of that. And I just don't think he is the man for the job there. I, I really don't. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Uh, it's been attempted to be just re-pieced back together. Uh, we've seen that in the ultimate way here. Um, and this kind of comes full circle with our discussion uh, on the trade deadline here in the Andrew Shaw trade. And, and sure, there may have been proponents, uh, I think you were, um, of it. But this is also assuming that, you know, He's going to be healthy, and I know you can't I thought he play, exactly, I thought he played 70 plus games. Yeah, you can't exactly predict that. Um, and I do believe, I, I will say, I believe if Shaw was healthy, that would help the power play, uh, maybe not put him in the upper echelon of the league, but it would have helped their struggles, uh, iron out a lot earlier. Um, but one thing that happened in acquiring him, like I said, it was the ultimate try to piece back together here. Um, he sent a second round pick up to Montreal. 
So he said it was important that at this deadline now, now we're talking Andrew Shaw has only played like what, like 30 max games this year. I think it was like 28 or something like that. Uh, all the way up until November and he hasn't played one since. Um, but what Stan was doing was just covering up his own wound. Cause he was the one that sent the second to Montreal for Shaw. Right. In part <laughs> yep. of the deal. Yep. So he said it was important to him, important for the organization to get that second back. Well, you just went in a big fucking circle. Am I am I not seeing something here? You're correct. Or am I right? Because you're you're correct because there were Shaw type players who were available for just straight cash. Yeah. So, I mean, I forget exactly who it was at the time. Was it Zingle? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the one that Comiskey was advocating for. Um, if I go back and read chat from months ago but yeah it it, it it just goes back to the fact that like you said he's he's covering his own ass and it just it doesn't help the team to go get the second pick that you already gave up to do what do, do you like grab a player that you probably already would have grabbed no you need additions you need to build on this and that's why in my opinion if we're looking at this deadline as a whole circle back you're looking at this deadline as a whole. We really didn't gain anything that we didn't have going into the start of the year, except for a extra third. Yeah, an extra third and then a kick around prospect on the back end. And a uh, half season of Malcolm Subban. I'm talking. I, 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 people may want to rip me for this because I'm sure he's a great guy and, you know, he's PK's brother and all that, but he's not, he's not good. He, he's not good. I, I don't, I literally <laughs> don't, he, he's more of a detriment to the team than a, uh, than a help. He's literally just a stopgap for some of these last few games here. Um, I, I literally see no value in acquiring him. No value. It is, is acquiring him almost, like worse than not acquiring a goalie because I mean, give Colin Dahlia another shot at yeah. NHL. Yeah, it was, a, they were always big on Kevin Lankinen earlier to the, recall him when there was an emergency situation. Like when, you know, Leonard was sick with the flu or something like that early on. That's who they do. I would, that's what I, if, Hey, you hit him up, give it a shot. So I would roll with. Yeah. I mean, Eight career save percentage. This is back to Subban here. Career save percentage below nine at eight ninety nine here. Um, goals against against average at two ninety seven. Um, Not good. Uh, he's played. He played in twenty games this year uh, for Vegas. the The record is nine seven uh, in three. Imagine that Vegas can at least keep the puck out of their own end. Imagine that with the plethora of turnovers that the Blackhawks give out in front. I mean, if Corey Crawford gave up, Corey Crawford played really well tonight and still gave up six, Tony. Imagine that with Malcolm Subban in that. We can run circles. We can, it might be we, can, we can run circles on this all night. It's it's not going to be pretty. Like we just gave all these people reasons why to keep watching these games, and now you're telling people stop. Like. Man, not great, Bob. Not great at all. It's that—that that is lame and weak goaltending, right there. 
yeah, it, like I said, man, it's uh, it just it was not a piece that I, I honestly would have rather taken a uh, you know. I don't think like when you go when you go back and say, oh, is it necessary to get a goaltender here? Um, I don't think so. I, I think they should have gone elsewhere and looked for a forward prospect that may have been, you know, a little, a little bit higher upside. Like this guy, if he really finds it, he could eventually be a. They know. shouldn't have traded Robin Leonard in the first place. I'm saying don't... if that was the if that was the bottom line, yeah. <sighs> I'm with you. I want remember I was I was on what the hashtag that I create lock up Leonard. Um, yeah, th- that yeah. was what we were all about, you know, earlier on because you know we thought it could get to this eventually, uh, and it did get to this, and he was moved. Um, Stan screwed the pooch on that one, especially what? if they they were never talking numbers, and that's getting back what? to the very first point that you made on uh, on this whole rant. What you're hearing here is the utter sound of defeat and just hopelessness. <laughs> on the show because we can't even wrap our heads around these moves because i yeah that's that's the thing we're, we're airing them out here and we're giving thoughts but i don't have answers for you i'm sorry i don't have answers you don't have answers either no because we're not in stan bowman's head and it just it, it further goes down this rabbit hole of like what's the plan well like Sure, there's a whole offseason ahead of us johnny there's a whole offseason of, of moves to be made and decisions and acquisitions, but do you, like Kirby Doc developing in next year, and maybe Nylander takes a step forward, and that's that's a that's a you know a, a hope without a uh, like a plan behind it um, for you know him developing. I mean, you watch Camp play eighty games again next year, like uh, Matthew Highmore. Like what? There's not a lot of space to begin with. Like, what's the plan to make this better next year? Where, oh, where, where, yeah. Where's the Where's the plan? Yeah, I dude, I, what's I don't the know. Step, what's the step forward? The, the number one pick that we're apparently getting? <laughs> yeah, just to go go and hit. Uh, that's what That's what Stan's doing. He's sitting on Tankathon, hitting that draft. Yeah, you know, just fucking hitting repeat on the on the Tankathon button until he gets the number one pick, so he can feel good and sleep at night. <laughs> you know, just like I can see him sitting there right now. <laughs> Just <laughs> refresh, refresh, refresh. And it's like, oh, I got the third. I got the third again. Like, let's go into, you hey. know, and I, I just go back and I joke. I'm like, how can we go take the most under the radar guy with the number three pick and Kirby Doc instead of going and grabbing all the other names that we talked about that could have been picked up there? Yeah. I mean, he got lucky with Doc, but like, I, I just, I don't know how he like wakes up in the morning and like, like, <laughs> If there's a plan to get through your day, like first you wake up, you brush your teeth, you take a piss, you go make your coffee, <laughs> you, go, you go through this. Like at what point does he sit down and go, okay, now it's time to think about how the 2021 Blackhawks can get back to the playoffs. <laughs> and I think it just stops right there. Like it's just <laughs> like a dead stop. The computer, like he's on a web browser, 404 error, not found. Like that's what it is. It there's just it just shuts down. It's dead, because I there's there's no like Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith. They're all a year older. They're not getting any better than they were right now. You have this core, and then you've got a whole mess of everything else right here. Like where where is the where like as a Hawks fan, 
Where do you see this getting any better? Oh. Is Andrew Shaw ever going to play another game again? I have no fucking clue. Yeah. And, dude, just th- think about, I mean, this has to be another thing that g- it gives him nightmares. Think about the massive contracts that are on LTIR right now that come back on for when you're assessing the overall state of the books in the summer after yeah, the league like there's, season. There's no room to do anything. No. There's no room to do anything. I think we talked about this, and this is something that we haven't gotten into, and this this episode's just going really long. But the fact that you could have taken a chance once Dahan and Seabrook went on LTIR to go acquire something to try and put you, I don't know, maybe over the hump. Maybe that maybe that that five game fucking trip out west and uh, into Canada could have been a little bit better if you had a little defensive help. Or a guy that, that that maybe has two years on a deal that you bring in who is an asset that can be moved at the deadline for another additional second or third round pick. And I don't know how you're getting him, but at least take a chance to go move something around that you could flip again. Like or on, on the on the brighter side, helps you get through those two, three weeks. Might have been four weeks, five weeks at this point in time since Seabrook went on LTIR. You had all this space available and you did nothing with it. Nothing. Not a damn thing. Why wasn't that used to their advantage? Why was there nothing done there to go help the team? You lost two core defensemen. And and maybe you can, I can probably get crucified over calling Seabrook a core defenseman, but he's a leader in that locker room. He's also he was also playing pretty consistently playing pretty consistently and he also just provided some stability at least as a name like i don't think anybody out here is saying i'd rather see sealer than brent seabrook yeah i I don't think like raise your hand if you'd rather see carlson (laughs) play than than brent seabrook at this point in time like i i just or, or let's throw Dehan in the mix. Both those guys went down. Where was the help? As I said earlier, it was really cool when Dennis Gilbert was beating people up, but Adam Boquist wasn't the answer to go solve Dehan or Seabrook's loss. Neither of those guys were offensive-minded defensemen, so you weren't you 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 lost two of those guys. And then you replace them with a bunch of crap in regards to that style of play. Yeah. And there was no help. That The help could have come on the forward side, Johnny. Yeah. I mean, you could have gotten your legitimate threats, and then that also would have helped uh, solve the rest of those bottom lines, not having to shuffle as much. I have I have no clue, but there's just uh, there's just so many different things that could have been done that were not done, and there I hate to go into this, but there was no accountability for it, and there still hasn't been accountability for it, and it's frustrating. Yeah, that's, that's what I I've think, gotta end that. Think, right there. I think that's the bottom line here. Um, you know, uh, I'm with you, man. Uh, I had been kind of like you know like the C. At least looking back on Stan Bowman's tenure, you, you see like places where he's excelled, and then obviously places where he's missed the ball. Um, 
and this being one, especially if the stuff that Robin Leonard uh, is saying is true. And I believe him. Hell, it's coming from the guy himself, the guy who signs on the friggin' dotted line. Um, so I believe him that he was willing to. That would have at least solved the need. And I know if there was, we had just hidden it at the end, and people can say, oh, well, that's kind of conflicting. Well, how would they be able to sign him if they didn't have any uh, space? Well, you got to go in next year with something. And I guarantee you, Calendelia ain't the answer there um in that so yeah if you're passing up an opportunity there it's like no one else on the free agent goalie market is coming cheap um when you already had that in-house option uh yeah and the return that you got wasn't like over the moon yikes yeah i don't know what else we have in the docket here because i'm just that's i'm firing on all cylinders right now that's it we're done we're done all right cool the engines then yeah in boston right there cool the engines yeah uh, that was it. We just wanted to, you know, kind of sound off because uh, we didn't get to immediately right after. Uh, and I feel like that kind of, you know, sure, there's a lot of rant in there, but that is kind of the state of where we are because things are so chaotic as it is. Uh, the organization of this show is kind of a reflection and a mirror of the state of the Blackhawks financially right now. You agree? <laughs> well said. <laughs> All right, uh, looking ahead, um, as I had mentioned, uh, the Blackhawks play on Thursday night at uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. That is the uh, next time we will talk to you fine folks on the other end of this thing. Um, you know, it's it's a rough stretch. Like like you had said, was it 2-7-1 and one now um, over the last 10? Is that the... Uh, that's a status here, or did actually, I mean, they got that win Friday night against Nashville. Woo, I was there for that one, so that was at least fun. Um, two seven one, yeah, they're two seven. Yeah, so it's uh, not great, Bob. Um, that loss on Sunday at Dallas, we didn't even really touch on that too much, but that was basically the final, uh, you know, that they knew it before with scratching Gustafson on Friday night before they played at Nashville that they were going to sell. Um, obviously still hadn't had a move in place by Sunday, but scratched him again. He didn't even come on the trip. And then uh, adios off. You go to Calgary, Gus. Uh, that was it. Lose again tonight. The, this thing is uh spiral, not of control, but you know, uh, hold out because you know, there's going to be another random win streak or solid stretch of like five, six games. Like we had talked about earlier. Uh, it's, it's always in the books, but yeah. Um, unfortunately, I don't think it starts uh, Thursday night at Tampa Bay. But who do you think uh, actually does uh, get it done? Who's your stick to click for Thursday night um, at Tampa Bay? Tone. Oh, we're still doing these stick to clicks. Um, I have no fucking clue. Uh, let's go. Just pick a name out of the hat here. Uh, I'm gonna go Dominic Kubelik. Um added that goal total yeah totally um that's he's a rookie goal leader man uh you see it on the broadcast almost every night uh they kind of keep uh posting who's up and leads there you know that victor olson of uh buffalo he's back and playing with uh the sabers now but uh he's you know a defenseman so it's kind of Power plays pretty much got to be when he's scoring, whereas Kubelik is a forward, uh, yep. can score a bunch, you know, even strength. Hell, even if he's out there for a shorthand or four on four uh, scenario. But um, let's see. I am going to go with 
Um, Jonathan Taves, uh, you know, he, he did not find the back of the net himself tonight, but he did a lot of good things, you know, assists, assists with those, yeah. those face off wins early on, uh, on those first two goals uh, that allowed shots from the point to come through. Um, imagine, you got to imagine if there, if that's still going to be a mentality, which I would like to see it because I love when shots from the point are able to get through, um, tie in another one of my favorite themes, a redirect goal. He's out there in front of the net, dragging a guy with him. He gets a stick on it. Boom, redirect past. Uh, it's probably going to be one of the only ways you're going to beat Vasilevsky if he is the one that ends up being in net. I wouldn't be shocked if the Lightning just say, fuck it, and throw their back up in against us. <laughs> easy, easy money either way for them. Yeah, I'm not. So I was going to give you like the specifics on the exact time, uh, on the exact channel, whatever, but I would believe that would be on NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, the Blackhawks website is uh, run just like the organization right now. Totally isn't working. Uh, I got a uh, 431 error here, so that's excellent. So, uh, yeah. Hey, that stands there right there. Yeah. That's Stan Bowman <laughs> trying to figure out what, what to do with the Blackhawks. We're yep. talking about errors on, on websites. Stan's yep. brain. Yep, Blackhawks website doesn't work right now. So that's great. That is just an excellent way to close down this absolute shit show of an episode. Uh, if you're still with us here, thank you again for tuning in. Make sure you go to com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. And, Tony, um, it's tough to say, but let's hype one up for the end of the show here. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks.